Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are wrapping up our Tragedy in Trios week, which happened on accident, because coincidentally, we both had cases this week with three victims. Serendipity. <gasps> A fortunate accident. I do yeah. too, and I liked the movie when I was younger. Oh, of course. It was fun. It was. I wanted it to happen to me. I wrote oh my, my number gosh. in books. It never me did. Me too. I so wanted that to happen to me. Nope. Oh, well, here I am, shackled down with my husband and four kids. After a series of really bad choices, I discovered it wasn't going to happen for me. (laughs) Stop leaving your number everywhere, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what are you going to horrify me with today? So I have a case that I am bringing to you from Hannibal Lecter, (laughs) Missouri. Oh, have you I've, heard of? I have not. I was really hoping you were going with Lecter after that. Oh, sorry to let you down. All right, just the old MO. Okay, okay. This is actually, this is a, a heartbreaking unsolved mystery that still haunts the town to this day. Oh, so you, you're giving us no closure. You will be left wide open. Emotions running high. Great. Just how I like to be, yeah. Amber. Why don't That's how I leave everyone. Yeah. Um, kidding, kidding. I'm going to begin by telling you that this case is not proven to be a true crime case. What? However. Does that mean that it could possibly be an accident? Yes. Oh, okay. So. Ooh, I love cases like this. This is a case of three boys. That literally disappeared. They were never seen again. Obviously, I'm going to tell you the details on that. But some of the theories surrounding their disappearance, they revolve heavily around true crime theories. Yes, there's theory of accident. Yes, there's theory of some pretty significant true crime events. Nothing has been proven to this day on this case. Okay. This case is still active. It's still open. I'm actually amazed by how many followers and supporters are involved with this case just overall. I actually came across a couple of resources. I came across this podcast that's dedicated to the case. I obviously didn't have time to listen to all of it because it's a three-part series just deep diving into this case. Wow. Okay. So it's called The Lost Boys of Hannibal. If anyone gets sucked into this case like I did, I listened to a few episodes, but I mean, everything I'm giving you in a nutshell today, they take and just, like, dissect all of it. Okay. Unless we want to do a spinoff into all of that. (laughs) A whole whole nother (laughs) podcast. Eight more episodes. Um, I don't have time to go over all of that, but if you want more details, it's a really great resource. Well, tickle my ass and call me Sheila. I'm ready to learn some more. As you wish. (laughs) (laughs) So on May 10th of 1967, brothers Billy, age 11, and Joel, who they called Joey, um, he was 13. Their last names were Hogue. So this is Billy and, and Joel Hogue. So they're siblings. They are siblings. And their friend Craig Dowell, who was 14, they finished a normal day at school like they usually did. And they didn't know at the time that that would be the last day of school that they would ever have. Oh. I know. Isn't that really sad? So your case has a sibling set with a friend just like mine. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Something we didn't realize again Mm-mm. at the time when we were doing these. but Weird coincidence. The boys very eagerly made plans to go exploring in caves nearby after school that day. Oh, fun. Yes. What a exciting for little pre-adolescent I know. boys. And I mean, I'm as gonna, boy moms, we understand that, I think. Yep. After I kind of give you the gist of what happened, I'm going to tell you a little bit about kind of the, the setting of Missouri and and what that was like, because it really does sound like a really cool place Okay, to, to grow up. So the boys put their cave exploring clothes on, they met outside, and they set off on their adventure. They changed out of their school clothes mm-hmm. to their cave exploring co- clothes. Boys after my own heart. Yeah. They Mine don't even they know how to do that. Like they were really good boys. Oh. Which obviously I'm going to share with you about. But. Yeah. So approximately 5.15 that day, which was not long after school, was the last time that these boys were ever seen again. Okay. So this case has been cold for over 50 years. Holy shit. 
So what I'm going to do is share an overall summary of the information, including a timeline that was able to be put together of the events happening leading up to the disappearance, uh, the search efforts, and the, the theories that have come out on this case. Sure. So one of the things that makes this case so heartbreaking is that none of the theories lead to anything peaceful for these boys. Oh. And so that's the part that, you know, no matter what way you go, mm-hmm. this this it's case doesn't good. end well. Yeah. And I want to know your opinion at the end, what okay. you think. So give me your, your theory when I tell you all of the... Uh, all of the things that happened. All right. Hit me with the info. So, of course, I'm going to start out telling you about the victims um, so you know a little bit more about these boys. So I'm going to start out with Billy and Joey Hogue. As you know, they're siblings. Mm-hmm. Billy Hogue was 11 years old, and from what I read about him, he was the feisty little uh, mischievous boy of the of the group. He had Aww. fire red hair and blue eyes and freckles. He, he's adorable. He's a ginger. He's a ginger. Oh. He was really adventurous. He loved being outside exploring, and he was always tagging along with his older brothers, and he was always joking, pulling pranks. And so it sounds like he was just this feisty little adventurous kid outside all the time, full of life. This reminds me of my youngest, who is 12, so this is going to be hard. It's in, And mine is 11. Yeah. So this this does hit home, and I was thinking that when I was researching this case because that is one of my worst nightmares Mm -hmm. you know that absolutely they don't come home yep and so cue helicopter mom right right (laughs) after this children you're never allowed to go anywhere again i'll be there when you conceive your children it's fine at least i'll know you're safe i'll be right there in the the room supervising (laughs) cheering you on from the corner not creepy at all (laughs) safety first kids Oh, no, but it's, I mean, when it when it's the same age, when they're the same age as your own children, it, it hits home. It does. I know. Not that all of them that we cover aren't sad, but it is harder when you can relate yeah. so heavily. Yeah. So Joey Hogue, he was 13, and he also loved to explore. He was described as more of an inquisitive kid who loved astronomy. He loved stargazing with his telescope. Oh. Isn't that so cute? Oh, I love it, too. He had too. a telescope. Oh. I had a telescope when I was a kid, so and it was did so I. fun. My neighbor is actually an astronomer at the local college, and so he always has one pointed right at our bedroom window. But oh. He's <laughs> always careful to, like, he comes over and he's like, I'm going to use the telescope tonight, but just remember, it looks like it's pointed at you, but it actually goes up. It has a mechanism that you that goes upwards. I'm really glad that up. he explains that. Me too, because we're new to the neighborhood last year, and so he felt the need to come. I was like, thank you for explaining, and he brings his students over and stuff too, so I can see he's legit. But, okay. But yeah. Did you ask to look in that scope just to make sure? No, I'm just kidding. I, I got the VIN number and just looked it up online, made sure. That it was Good call. Like, uh-huh. No, that's really nice of him to clarify, especially with two people that do true crime. Uh, yes. We need answers. I would have confronted the situation. <laughs> like, I know you want to see my husband naked, but you that's... stop using that telescope. <laughs> So yeah, so Joey loved astronomy Aww. and he he loved history and science. So the Hoke brothers, they were actually two of 11 children. They had a huge family. Oh, wow. Their parents, Mike and Helen Hogue, owned a local restaurant called Hogue's Tavern, and that was known for its homemade meatloaf and pies. Wow. And the family was really well-liked. They were this really big family, but they were actually, for being such a big family, they were super close-knit. How could you not love a family that makes pies and meatloaf? You, I mean, honestly. And so they were they were known for being hardworking people. They were good oh, to their they kids. Oh, they owned a restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. And so some of Joel and, and Billy's uh, siblings talked about how the dad, their dad would make French toast for all of the kids and get like a five-gallon thing of ice cream on Fridays. And uh-huh. he would make burgers for the neighborhood boys. Or not all. He would make burgers for the neighborhood kids. Not just the boys. Not just the boys. (laughs) Okay, good. I was going to say, wow. Just the boys. Just the boys. No, but he was a super, super nice guy. One of the siblings said, you know, they were daddy's kids. They they loved Mm. their dad. Helen was a great woman, too. But great family. Edwin Craig Dowell. um, They called him Craig. His first name was actually Edwin. Had an open, friendly face, usually sporting a smile. 
He liked pullover sweaters and win and wingtip shoes. I love that. <laughs> he al- apparently always had a nice pair of wingtip shoes on. Oh. Um, he lived on Union Street right behind the Hogue family, so they were very close in quarters. Craig was serious and polite and usually willing to be an accomplice on any of the neighborhood adventures. So it sounds like Craig was like the go-to. The kids wanted to go exploring. Craig was like, he was there. Oh, He was kind of described as a loner, too, so it doesn't sound like he was always exploring with the boys. There was actually one point in... One of the articles that I read, one of the Hogue siblings kind of said, you know, we we didn't really know why Craig was there that day because he wasn't really close with the boys, but they would occasionally explore together. Oh, okay. So just an interesting component. Yeah. Maybe he was just like, hey, if you're going to be going to the caves, hit me up. Right. So these are boys from the 60s. I have to say, I love 60 stories about kids growing up. Mm-hmm. They were on their bikes. Yes. They were outside. They were exploring. All of those fun things they didn't have iPhones. Ipo- no iPhones. <laughs> they, <didn't, laughs> they didn't have iPhones or, you know, devices. So they were yeah. out doing things. Being kids using their imagin- imagination. Yeah. Or imagination, as I just the said. The imagination. Yes. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Hannibal, Missouri. Okay. Um, this is a little town. And it's about this from 2017. The population was about 17,900. Oh, okay. So it's a little smaller. Um, it sits right in the curve of the Mississippi River. And oh. yeah, it's right on the river. It's a river it's river a river town. town. And it's also the town of the famous Mark Twain. It's the hometown Okay. It's the hometown of Yes. Him. Thank you. Thank Did you. Did you was that ringing a bell yes, for you? This whole time I'm You're like, like oh, I what know do I know from there? Okay. Thank you yeah. for connecting that because it has been itching my brain since the moment. That's why I'm staring intently at you and I'm like thinking about other things. I'm like, I know this and trying to think if I knew this case. It's not this case that I know. It's the That's town. That's that connection. Yeah. Okay. You, you know the old uh, Mark <sighs> Twain stories. And so he, he wrote a lot of stories based on growing up in Mark Twain. Hannibal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, it's the hometown oh. of, of Mark Twain. So it's very rich in history. It's a tourist town. Definitely. I'm going to be honest. I would not mind visiting this town someday, especially yeah. after doing this case too, because there's just so much you know, in that town about the case as well. So the town is a tourist attraction still to this day. They have the Mark Twain Museum. They have lots of, lots of good places to eat. Man, if there's anyone from there, hit us up. Maybe we could do a live show there sometime. Yeah, it's it just sounds like a fun place to go. And, you know, just hearing about the boys' adventures, it sounds like a good place to grow up too. Yeah. Another little fact about Missouri, and I didn't know this, but it's actually the cave state because they have more caves in Missouri than any other state. I did not know that. I didn't either. I would have thought like Tennessee, Kentucky. Yep, you know, that's what I was just going to say too. I wouldn't have guessed Missouri. I Great. thought that was interesting. So there's more than 6,300 caves. I saw another article Holy that said 7,300. Wow. Because they are discovering more like all the time. Yeah. So the whole state is just, just full of them. Riddled with caves. <laughs> oh, okay. Riddled with caves. We have the lakes. They have the caves. Mm-hmm. All right. So many caves. So if you were a kid in Hannibal... You were exploring caves. Yeah. It was a thing. Many of the kids talked about it. It wasn't out of the ordinary to go. That sounds spooky and amazing all at the oh same time. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to lie. When I was reading about this case, some of the descriptions of going into the caves and the passages and the darkness, my anxiety went through the roof. <laughs> like, I don't think it would be for me. Uh-huh. But... Maybe living there, it's just what you, what you did. Yeah, and that's normal. I grew up on a tree farm, so we would go out running through the trees all the time. That's just how it was. Right. So maybe for them it was like caves. That's yep. what they knew. But when I was reading about it, I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Don't oh, think no. I could do this. You lost me at dark. Yeah, I have darkness and <laughs> yeah. close spaces. Know, yeah, Close spaces. So there were various caves around Hannibal. Mark Twain Cave is one of the well-known tourist caves that people come around um, come from all over the world to see. I would do that. I would do, so I have done tourist, I've, I've done cave tours with yeah. guides. Those are awesome. Yeah, I would do Any those. Any day. Exploring on my own. No. I don't trust myself. Yeah, I agree. No, I will end up on my own podcast. And I am, absolutely, I am honestly, I'm willing to admit I do not trust myself to yeah. explore a cave no. on my own. I barely trust myself to explore my backyard on my own, so. Right. 
So <laughs> listen, there's a pool back there. I could you don't get know lost. what could happen. Yeah. <laughs> I could get lost out there. But so Mark Twain cave, like that's a well-known cave. People would come and see those things. But there's also caves that are a little less touristy that, you know, the locals obviously knew about, but not necessarily things that you would want to go maybe in on your own. Uh-huh. So I'm going to tell you about Murphy's Cave, which is, this is the cave that the boys set out to explore on May 10th. Okay. How do we know that they set out to explore Murphy's Cave? So Murphy's Cave is actually like less than a quarter of a mile from where they lived. Okay. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to give you a little bit of details as to why they were going to explore this cave as well. This cave, it had been explored by people, but it was described as kind of like a maze inside. So there were really... Great. Now we've got mazes in the caves of darkness and tiny spaces. This one is described more as a cave with a lot of twists and turns. You turn, there's like three more passageways. Yeah. You go down one, there's like three more passageways. Wow. So this was just like a twisty, turny, and also very narrow cave. There was a lot of areas where you'd have to crouch down, crawl. Um, That's where my anxiety is like, nope. As someone who's been lost in a corn maze before, I just don't think that Murphy's Cave is for me. You know what? I've been lost in one as well, and I don't like it. Me neither. What if I'm here forever? Right. What if I die out here? Great. This is how I go in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah, this is how it ends for me. Ironic, since I was raised on a farm that I can't get out of a freaking cornfield. So and, and so the kids, they were known to explore this cave a little bit, but it was one that you wouldn't want to go deeply into because yeah. people could get because lost. Because it's a damn maze. And there was actually a story I read about a couple boys getting lost in that cave years before they were rescued. Oh. But they did get lost in there. Okay. I would have been on that list. No doubt. Oh, yeah. So a little bit of extra information on Murphy's Cave. In 1967, they were looking to expand the transportation system that ran through the area. So they were in the process of doing construction to basically upgrade what's now Highway 79 that runs through the area. So part of that pathway was literally going through the cave. Oh. So... They were using dynamite, basically, to open the area uh-huh. up, which exposed some new pathways to this cave. Oh. So, as a young boy, this oh, was, yes. like, jackpot. Absolutely. Like, new passageways to explore. Yep. Like a 15-year-old to a Pamela Anderson poster. Oh, without a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. Absolutely. So this is why they were going to Murphy's Cave, because they knew, we're going to back up a little bit, actually earlier that week, they had been out to the caves, they discovered there was new passageways, and they oh. were like, oh my gosh, right, we right. have to do this. So they had went in for a little bit, but they actually had to get back home, so they didn't have long to explore. So they're like, all right, we're going to come back. You know, we're going to regroup. We're going to come back. So when the boys actually went home, their parents were straight pissed. Oh, (laughs) Um, okay. They did not want the boys exploring these caves because of all the construction going on. Right. And, you know, dynamite, things like that. And that's exactly what the parents said. Like the dynamite was loosening walls. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some of the passageways had collapsed because of that. Of course. So they recognized the danger of the boys going in there. It's dangerous for those workers to be doing it. Absolutely. So the the parents were not happy. They were like, you are not going back to those caves. We don't want you near them. Which is just like dangling more fruit right in front of them. That's exactly. One of the quotes from uh, one of the Hoke siblings was that the parents had said, that if they went back to those caves, they were going to get their motors oiled. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Um, it meant they were going to get a, a good whooping. That's right. They sure were. And I'm not going to lie, I want to use that in some kind of context someday because yeah, it's too. really catchy. Me too. <laughs> so, do you think a, a trio of boys, 11, 13, and 14, said, okay, we'll stay away? Right. Better, better not. No. No. That is not what they said. They did not. They so. heard... They heard, so we're going to go back again. (laughs) And just not tell our parents about it. I'm sure that the thrill was even more so then because, you know, now now it's forbidden. Now we have an edge of danger Mm -hmm. in there. We have new passages. It's forbidden. Mm -hmm. Sign us up. Yes. So on May 10th, the boys did go back to the caves. The The caves are calling. And so they even tried to recruit other friends at school. Okay, Um, so this is how they know that that's what they were exploring. Yes, they were trying to get other kids to go with them. Mm -hmm. They had this big plan to meet up to go go to the caves after school. 
There was a local church event for the youth group that night, which this just reminds me of like small town goodness. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like youth groups tonight. We got to be back for that. So Billy, Joey, and Craig were supposed to be back for that as well. They were going to go to the local church for the youth group event. Get them some Jesus. Okay. And actually... Some of the friends that were supposed to go, the reason they couldn't is because they had to get dinner and, you know. And go to youth group. Go to youth group. So I'm going to take you through the timeline of events that have been pieced together on this case up until they disappear. Okay. So I will say that Billy, Joel, and Craig were not the only boys that wanted to to explore this cave. So even though they didn't recruit anyone else to go with them, there was actually supposed to be a fourth boy that didn't end up being able to go. And one of the boys that they tried to recruit was Wes Laffert. So he was working his paper route that day and riding his green huffy bike. I love this. Green huffy bike with a tricked out banana seat. A tricked out, yes. It just sounds amazing. I had a huffy bike too. It just, Ugh. yeah, it sounds Tricked amazing. Tricked out banana seat. So Wes was doing his paper route. He was like, love to join you, but I can't, you know, I have to finish my my duties. Yeah. And Wes reports seeing the boys about 4 p.m. Okay. And this was right around the cave entrance. So they hadn't gone in yet, but he, you know, saw them over there. But there were a few other boys who had actually gone out to the cave already from school. And so those boys, their names were John Janes and then his friend Lynn Stroob, I believe. So they were classmates of the three boys. So they had been in, explored a little bit. They were coming back out of the cave, and they happened to see Joel, Billy, and Craig coming into the cave. Okay. They could tell the boys hadn't actually been exploring yet because they weren't muddy, and apparently you go in, it's wet. Sure. It's muddy. Hence the cave clothes. Yes, and so they, they didn't have mud or you know water on them or anything like that, so it was obvious they hadn't fully been into the caves yet. So those two boys see the trio around 4.30 p.m., so about a half hour later. I'm not sure what they did in that time. I don't know if they were just kind of exploring around the cave, but they hadn't, it was apparent they hadn't gone in yet. Okay. So about a half hour later, motorist Wayne Woodson drove, drove past the South Side Christian Church, which was situated right next to the construction area. And he noticed a boy that fit Billy's description, and he was carrying a small military shovel, is what it was described as. When Wayne had driven by, he found it a little bit peculiar that they were around this construction area because it was very active. Like, they were doing work right in that. Just how he took notice of him, probably. Probably. Like, Like, what is that guy doing here? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Or that kid, excuse me. And so one of the last individuals to see the boys was a retired school teacher named Louise Kohler, who was on her way home from a meeting. And so just shortly after five, she saw the boys up on one of the high um, slopes of the road looking down at the earth movers at the construction site. Mm -hmm. So this just, I mean, it sounds like a massive site of construction going on. Yeah, definitely. So some... That's about 6 o'clock, you said? And this was uh, just a little bit after 5 o'clock. Oh, I'm sorry, 5. Yeah, and so she was one of the last ones to see the boys. And then the final sighting was janitor Thomas, uh, I believe it's Breedlove, and he saw the boys around 5.15 on the same high road, the road cut, that the teacher had seen them on. And again, it was the very area that their parents had said to stay away to from. stay away, yeah, sure. Um, he reported that the earth was vibrating, the air was full of dust, and it was very poor visibility so oh gosh um just to paint a picture of where the boys were at like was dynamite going off at that point in you know, time it didn't or had recently i th- i think it i mean they were digging they were blowing things up i don't know they're still actively work they are currently working yes. on it as the boys are up there yep earth movers are going okay you know so this is all happening right then and they're watching wow. the construction okay. it sounds like mm-hmm. the janitor said that when the dust had kind of dissipated. He looked over again. The boys had vanished at that point. Like, they were at least gone from his view. Okay. And unfortunately, that's the last sighting of the boys ever. Oh, that's scary. 5.15 5, p.m., and they were never seen again. And the earth was shaking, and there was dust and debris. Yep. So, if as wow. you can tell, there's kind of two scenarios going on here. You know, they were spotted by the caves, but they were st- they were also spotted by the construction uh, site as well. Yeah. So around 5.15, a friend of the boys had stopped by to see them. 
Mrs. Hoag said they weren't there, but they were supposed to be back for church soon. So she said, well, if you see them, tell them to get home mm-hmm. because they need to be ready right. for the for youth group. Tell them they're going to get their motor they're gonna, oiled. <laughs> they're going to get their motors oiled. A quick FYI, the Hogue boys were not supposed to, to leave their yard that day also. Like that was one oh, of the terms no. of being caught in the caves <gasps> is you are not to leave this yard. Some of the older siblings were supposed to watch them. And obviously they did not listen to their parents. Um, Their parents had run to the store to get groceries, left the siblings in charge, and specifically said, you know, Joel and Billy are not to leave the yard. Mm -hmm. And Even more forbidden fruit. Yep. So they they found a way to sneak out. I feel like that just kind of adds to what the parents probably went through with all of this because they had said, do not leave this yard, Mm -hmm. you know. They had done their diligence of keeping their yep. children protected. And, and they were concerned. They didn't want the children playing over there. Yep. Um, other parents were kind of, you know, other classmates that they had talked to that Joel and Billy had asked to go. Parents were like, hell no. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody wanted the kids playing in this construction and exploring these paths because they were unpredictable. Absolutely. So it was a dangerous area. So around 5.45 p.m. when the boys hadn't come home, one of the older Hogue brothers, Tim, he went to look in the caves because, like I said, very close to where they lived. So he walked over to, to look. He was calling their names in the in the caves and, you know, not he- hearing anything mm-hmm. or getting any response. And then shortly after that, Tim's um, – and then shortly after that, Helen Hogue joins Tim. They start calling. They start – you know, searching for the boys around the caves, but they also soon realize they obviously can't go in very deeply. It gets dark in there. Yeah. So they're going to need extra help at this point. Definitely. Because they're starting to worry. worry. So at 6.26 p.m., Helen went to a nearby house to call the Hannibal Police Department, which I forget about the times, like, you, we didn't have the cell phone, so right. she had to go to a, the closest house. Yeah. Um, which I'm assuming was closer than hers, obviously, and and call the police. So when the police arrived, they also realized that they're going to need more help because they were also calling for the boys. They were kind of walking in in their uniforms. And and the parents were like, yeah, cool, thanks, but we already did this. Thanks a lot. We need more. Right. And so they decide, like, okay, we're going to need to, like, recruit people for this mission. We're going to need equipment. It needs to be organized. We're going to need lights. We're going to need a lot of things. And I think it was pretty well known this cave was, like, a vast endless cave and so i mean they're gonna have to prepare to go in and search so originally the mark twain rescue squad was was called to help which i love that that's the name yeah i was just gonna say that (laughs) they were called in to help and they did help but they were actually more familiar with dive rescues lakes rivers okay they weren't really like cave divers cave Mm -hmm. um explorers or cavers as they call them um, so they, that wasn't really their forte, so they were helping, but it was kind of like after the search was continuing on, they searched through the night for the boys, and locals were helping. I mean, this this drew a scene when, you know, word started to travel yeah. that the boys were missing. Yeah. So people are kind of coming around to help, and a lot of people did help, I will say. Like, oh, the community great. was like, the Hogue brothers helped. Some of their classmates, I mean, everybody kind of rallied around to help. But they also realized, like, okay, we're not experts. This cave is is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly how to fully search it. So they do end up calling other people in as well. So this started as like a local search and it actually turned into a nationwide search because oh, wow. cavers from all over the country came that in. That had the right equipment and yes. the knowledge yep. to be able to do this. And I was just amazed at they didn't hesitate to yeah. come. So they came from all over the country to help find these boys. One of the groups that came in for the search was, and I hope I can say this right, National Speleological Society. Okay. And and so this is like expert cave rescue and wow. exploration. Okay. So this was headed by William Karras, and he is the one that kind of essentially took over the search at this point. Sure. We're going to get back to leader. him. Yep. So keep that. We're going to get back to William Karras here. All right. In a, in a bit. So the crews knew they had only about three days to find the boys without food and water if they were yes. trapped in the cave. That's about as long as, as you've got. That's right. So around about two days had passed. They started to kind of lose hope about finding the boys uh-huh. at that point. Search efforts went on in the caves for days. But like I said, after about the you know three-day mark, they started to, to lose hope with their search. They weren't getting anywhere, and they weren't finding anything, even with the experts in there. So they started to shift their search more to... 
the ground, um, above ground, the construction sites. Okay. So the problem with this area was that there were so many holes. There was also cave, as we said, cave passages that had Mm -hmm. been revealed, dirt everywhere, pictures of the site. I mean, it's a hot mess. There's just Mm -hmm. stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. So... As they're searching, there's other passageways that they couldn't get into. There was one cave opening that led to really deep water. And oh they basically said, like, if they if if that is where they went, we'll never. Right. They will never be found. Yeah. There was no proof of that. But just to give you an example of what they were searching at. Right. So do we know, did the kids have backpacks with them? Did they have anything with them or just their person? So the only thing that was noted with them is obviously they had to have some flashlights if they were going exploring. Right, that's what I was thinking. And that Billy had that shovel with him. Oh, right, right. So those were the only things that I found in my research that they had. And none of that stuff was ever recovered? No, nothing was ever found. Oh, bananas. Isn't that crazy? Okay. No supplies, nothing that would indicate that they were there. I will get to one. No footprints even. There were some tracks in the cave, but then also with the cavers getting in there, oh. I mean, it was just, there yeah. were so many people and in so, and out of right, there. Right, right, right. There were other kids even that same day. Exactly. So this is something that they did find, and they kind of, again, another speculation in this case. So they found this series of, like, man-made looking holes in some of the clay-like areas in the construction site, because they brought up some clay as well. And it looked like they had been dug out with a smaller shovel. So the, one of the theories is that, is that the boys were, like, making their own cave holes Okay. in the construction site, because they'd seen these holes, and it didn't look like anything that the construction site had necessarily done. Okay. So just kind of note that. So Louise Kohler, the teacher I told you about mm-hmm. that had one of the last to see the boys... She had heard about the crowd gathering because, like I said, the locals were coming in to help. And she ended up bringing her mother down to the site because her mother um, had always been known to have some psychic abilities. Remember I said that my case had some psychic components as well. So the, the two of them, they went down to the south side of the cave where the search was happening. The two women walked a block or so after they parked. And they were standing near this red bud tree. It was a grassy area. It was by the Southside Christian Church that we had talked about. So Louise's mother in that area quickly looked down and she's like, why aren't they digging here? They're below us. And they're still alive. And they're asking for help. What? Like she was all of a sudden like they're down there. What? Beneath us. Like this was some kind of premonition that she had. So the two women tried to plead with the rescuers, like, listen, my mom has the, yeah. this intuition. She really thinks they're down here. And they were unfortunately dismissed. What? They, they, they were just like, even, whatever. They didn't like, try to entertain it? They did not dig in like that at, area ever. At this point in time, what does it hurt? I know that, and we'll get back to the psychic stuff because there's more, but that one frustrated me because it's like you're digging everywhere else. Yeah. Why not? Exactly. Like, it literally doesn't hurt anything. I don't know what the circumstances were. If it was hard to dig in that area, I'm not sure. But just to dismiss it, I was just like, you have no leads. Like, at least try. This is something. So they never did. They never did. They were just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, okay. And the caves came out. There was an entrance by that church, right? Yes. Because you had said that earlier. Yeah. So it's not weird to think that they could have, that they would be there. Right. And so... (gasps) My thing was, like, if somebody is having this intuition and has been known her whole life to have it, yeah. I mean, throw the woman a bone and right. just dig somewhere. For sure. I was like, really? They didn't even look into it? And they didn't. There was wow. probably a ton of things going on, and they were in the cave, so they were like, mm, yeah, whatever. Uh. So I was bummed to hear they didn't, they didn't look into that at all. So the search continued to expand after they weren't having luck with the cave the construction site, they were getting nowhere, no leads. So they did expand it out to along the river. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually brought the National Guard in to Search explore the river, the, the river mm-hmm. area. And again, nothing was found. This part made me so sad. Helen Hogue would stay up every night waiting for her boys to come home oh. for quite a while. It didn't say how long, but she would stay up not sleeping, waiting for those boys. I don't know how you could sleep. I get it. Oh, it uh. hurts me. Just the, the unknown and knowing that every avenue of your boys being yep. missing is something not good. Yeah, yeah. And you're waiting yeah, exactly. and you're waiting for answers. Oh, my gosh. It just it And like it's hurts not just me. one child. Not that one child isn't hard enough, but, I mean, 
to lose to. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I can't imagine. Mm-mm. I will say, I mean, I feel like they did search. They they searched pretty diligently. Yeah, People came like from it. all over to help. So this went on for a solid two weeks, digging. Oh, wow. Exploring the caves. Obviously know, went from a rescue to a recovery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. So after the a couple weeks had went by, it kind of turned into basically deciding whether, you know, what the efforts would be, like what they'd be able to do. Because some of the things that they wanted to do, they believed that there was a lower, like even lower level to the Murphy's Cave that they could dig into, but they had to basically get the state's approval to continue these efforts because it was costing a ton of money. Mm -hmm. They were paying, compensating people that were day in and day out doing this and the digging and all of the equipment. So they basically had to get the approval. My understanding is they, the mayor did do that and ask for the approval. And so they did do some digging um, and and found somewhat of a lower area, but there was no trace of the boys. Mm. So after that couple of weeks of really great effort to search and find these boys, like I said, and as you said, I mean, it's it's a rescue effort at this point. They're not getting anywhere with the case. Recovery and, effort. And unfortunately, yeah. they never do get past that point. Yeah. I mean, it was search and it was, oh. and that was it. Yeah. And so I'm going to break down a little bit of kind of what I just went over with you and some of the theories that have okay. come into play with this because case. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first and foremost, one of the de- debates that divides the the theories in this case basically are that the boys were seen around the caves and the two classmates that I had mentioned, they saw the boys walking into the caves, but the boys were actually seen after that outside of the mm-hmm. caves. So there's no physical proof that the boys were ever, you know, back in the caves. Back way deep into the cave. One of the quotes that I read from hope I don't butcher this, uh, Frankie Cambaletta, who's one of the hosts of the Lost Boys mm-hmm. of Hannibal podcast, he said, what struck me as intriguing, so he said, what struck me as intriguing was when you look at all of the evidence and the reports, this was never treated as a missing persons case. It was treated as a missing persons in a cave case, which is very different. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the, I don't want to say criticisms, but maybe flaws in the yeah. case is that they the were too narrowly focused yes. on inside They're the cave. In the caves, they've got to be in the caves. And that was the immediate, you know, we're going to hone in on this search. Mm-hmm. And so, th- I mean, the, the most logical explanation at the time. Yes. So the search, um, you know, they acted pretty quickly, but they were only zooming in on that uh, cave. Inside the cave. So days did go by before they expanded it. Yeah. Again, I mean, I'm not discrediting what they did, but that was the only focus of they have to right. be in there. So another one of the theories in this case, and this is, you know, one of the very terrifying ones, is that it could be connected to a serial killer or an abduction. And so the the reason this is speculated is because around this time, John Wayne Gacy, mm-hmm. as we know, um, horrible human being, so around that time, John Wayne Gacy was killing and torturing young boys and men. Yeah, exactly. He, he was being an infected cold sore he, he around was. the freaking nation. He murdered at least 33. They mm-hmm. speculate more, and there's still unidentified victims. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's at least six, I believe, that have not been identified mm-hmm. yet. So Gacy, he apparently... He kept a close record of his travels back mm-hmm. then. So everywhere he went, I don't know if he had like a journal or a log yeah. or whatever. Yes, he was his biggest fan. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. So he would keep those records. And around 1967, he was in Ladonia, Missouri, which is only about 40 miles oh, from, really? from Hannibal. Okay. So the, this was a theory that came up because there was also a mystery man reported to be around the construction site that was on that cut out of the road, like watching the construction and nobody really apparently knew who he was. And it was that day that the boys it went was missing. was that day? Yes. Wow. So that's always been a theory of who was this guy. Yeah. And John Wayne Gacy was around the area. Yeah. So when I was listening to parts of this Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, they don't support the the. Gacy theory as much they kind of feel like that one's not as relevant they think it's a stretch but they do have a another man that was in the area his name 
was Thomas Terrence Hill, and he ended up being a habitual sex offender. And this is so creepy. And I, do, I mean, I, I love Cub Scouts, so I mean, no disrespect. But so he was a Cub Scout leader in the area, but everybody found it weird because he didn't have children. Oh, so he was like leading yeah. the Boy Scouts out of and, the goodness of his heart. Yeah, no, or the lust of his penis. And exactly. So he ended up having multiple offenses. Um, he did end up in prison mm-hmm. for numerous sexual assaults and so there was speculation because he was in that area at the time now i don't believe this man was ever convicted of murdering anyone but okay another theory like he was there he was he obviously was a predator for Mm -hmm. younger boys and so that was somebody that they had brought up as a possibility so talking about the construction site just a little bit we said it was really dusty it was it was hard to see, and there's holes everywhere. There's holes everywhere, cave openings, du- uh, holes that were dug out, all kinds of stuff going on. And so, one of the interviews that Joey and Billy's sister Dee Dee did with uh, Fox News, she said she said the construction company covered up some of the holes a short time after the disappearance of the boys, even though the mayor had uh, ordered that they do not do that. Hmm. So this is a quote from Dee Dee in the interview. She said, when they blasted the holes open, they didn't put any kind of caution tape around them. I think that the boys got buried in one of the holes, and I think someone from the construction company who ran the equipment knew that they had been buried. Oh, so okay. there are there are theories that the construction company, you know, whoever was operating that equipment may have realized either while they were still alive that they had buried them and they mm-hmm. covered it up. Again, not proven, no. not accusing, but that mm, is a theory. But that's a theory. Okay. I had even heard something about like maybe they saw one of the boys' heads poke up, but they it was like too late. I hope that is not true. I hope not too. I really do. But that is another theory out there that because this was active construction going yeah. on when they were there. And so if they were playing they didn't want that liability. Exactly. So that's another one, and I, some of the family members really strongly believe that. Okay. That that's what happened. Well, and they're the ones that saw the site. It's hard when you haven't seen the construction site to to grasp just how like dangerous yes. it really was. Not that I've never seen a construction site before. It's mm-hmm. just that, you know, there, with, with caves around and whatnot. There is some pictures of the site, so we can post those. Okay. Because it is hard, you know, when you're not able to fully grasp yep. how big it was. Yeah, and but it's familiar with mess. what it's like to blast out a cave to put a highway through it. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> we've never seen that. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> so going back to the caves just a little bit, as we know, that was one of the most prominent theories is that the boys got lost in the caves and they were just not ever able to be found down there. The cavers, they stand by their efforts. They Some of them said, you know, if there was a place that could have humanly been found, we we found it like they yeah we went there we explored it. yep they're mm-hmm. really adamant that they searched the best they could and this, i i don't believe on the information you've given me so far i don't believe that they got lost in the cave i because of that exact reason uh-huh. that first of all these boys had a timeline like they weren't going they knew they needed to be back for church yes i agree they with weren't you. going so deep that they couldn't get themselves out and the expert cavers went in there and went into every nook and cranny given their time frame that they had Mm -hmm. and farther I mean you know if this went on for days then they went in deeper than the boys even physically had time to get into. I believe that too. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the the cave searching here in a moment because there is a little bit of sketchiness uh, that goes with that as well. I don't want to discredit the ones you know the cavers that came from around the country Mm -hmm. to help However, William Karras, I said to note that name, we're going to come back to him just for a minute. So he was the founder of the Speleological Society of America. Um, So it was was the nation's first. He founded a society. Okay. He did. And and I shouldn't say first. It was the nation's most experienced cave rescue specialist group in the 60s. Wow. So 
from what I've read about William Karras, you know the guy that plays Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore? I do. Like, if there was ever a movie, he would be the guy okay. that plays. I, or even Shooter McGavin's character would be. Yeah, I've known plenty of shooters in my life. <laughs> yes, that's who came to mind as I'm reading about uh, Bill Karras, as they call him. Okay, say no more. You yep. say Shooter McGavin and... That's you got I the got picture. You. I even like pictured Shooter Absolutely. as I'm reading some of this stuff in cave gear. So yes, in deep in the caves, yeah. turtleneck. I, I picture a turtleneck. Of course, he has a turtleneck, or at least a dicky. <laughs> oh God, sure. I love a yes. good dicky. I do too. Yeah. Um, okay, so Billy. If he, you guys uh, don't know what a dicky is, it's just the foreskin of a turtleneck, and that's it. Not the rest of the shirt. <laughs> Think Christmas vacation. Yes. Eddie, uh-huh. uh, it, that's Cousin my Eddie. favorite Dickie. Yep, mine too. It's the best. It's black, it's black under like with the, the white, white sweater. Yep. <laughs> it is epic. That's what you should be for Halloween. Oh my God, I should be Eddie. You've got it done. I'm going to be earnest when he's dressing up like his mother and you're going to I'm be Eddie. Eddie. Cousin Eddie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. Okay, so Bill Karras. So he is reported to love him some media attention. Mm. He paid very close attention, you know, to updating the media through this, through all of this. Um, some people felt like that's more of Where his, his priority. Focus was uh-huh. was um, he arrived in a jet to the scene? Like, oh, I mean, dear he's Lord. just the, he needed all of this stuff. All you know, get the equipment. Mm-hmm. So keep the cave at a. Cool 62 degrees yeah. for me <laughs> yes. with some sparkling Chilled water. water. <laughs> yeah. That's the impression I get of Bill Karras. Yeah. So I'm going to take you down a brief rabbit hole about okay. him. It is relevant, I promise. This story I'm about to tell you, I'm summarizing, but this is, it's such a freaking sad story and it's worth exploring. I mean, it could be like a, not a true crime case, but it's just a, a story in and of itself. So a couple years before the disappearance of the three boys that we're mm-hmm. searching for, Bill Karras was on another rescue. He was called to another rescue mission. In New York, there's a cave. It's called Schroeder's Pants Cave, which is a really <laughs> different name. But that's what it's called. I know so many people with that last name. It's cracking me up. (laughs) Schroeder's Pants. Schroeder's Pants Picture it. It was named by a drunk guy who lost his pants in the cave. Oh, for sure. Someone's pants lie there today. Yes, that's right. Why? So so this is another cave in New York. James Mitchell and two of his friends, they went exploring in this cave. Again, I'm summarizing this. There's so much more to it. Sure. James Mitchell, he had lowered himself down into this narrow passageway now apparently he was the only one on this little adventure that had some cave experience I don't believe the other two friends did so they they kind of like stayed up and waited but my the vision I get of this is a it's a drop down and it's very narrow okay again anxiety through the roof yeah so he's he's in the sphincter of the cave he is deep in the sphincter and so unfortunately when he goes to lift himself back up he gets stuck sure and not only was this passage narrow, there was water that was 35 degrees, I can't even, Mm-mm. pouring down. No, it you're starts, giving me so much anxiety right now. It's horrible. Oh. So this water Ugh. is pouring down on him. It's so cold, his his hands go numb. His carbide light, I believe it's that. Mm-hmm. The it's he- on the helmet. Yes. Mm-hmm. It goes out. He is oh, in complete shit. darkness, water pouring on him. Nope. His hands aren't working. No. He is stuck. He cannot get himself up. My understanding is that the water pouring down, it was so loud, you know, from where his friends were. Uh-huh. He, I think he was trying to call for help, but they couldn't hear him. Okay. It sounds like he was only eight feet down, but the water must have been really loud. Yeah, if it's you know, coming down real fast. If it's yeah. echoey. So, so he was calling for help. They didn't hear him, but after half hour, 40 minutes or so, they're like, where is he? Right. Eventually, they get the hint that he's not coming back up, and they call for help. And so it is soon discovered that the where he's located, they cannot get him back up. So they need oh, they need help. They so, need Shooter McGavin. So Shooter comes in with his rescue squad to help with the situation. He immediately, he's like, locals and everybody out. Only my team in here. Nobody else can be in here. It sounds like he was quite condescending talking about some of the local people as oh, well. Sure. So you mm-hmm. just get this picture of this. Big, you know, mm-hmm. hoity, yep. showboaty guy. Like, right. all right, only my team. 
An ego bigger than his cup size. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, exactly. So they were in there for quite some time, um, the team. And after many efforts reported by Karis, and again, so many more details. I'm summarizing this, sure. uh, you know, for you. But so after many efforts, Karis comes out. He tells the reporters, you know, they just were not able to retrieve the body. He had managed to get it put into a body bag, but then the cave collapsed it's dangerous. We had to evacuate the team. This cave needs to be dynamited shut and never opened again. We lo- We had to leave the body behind, and this oh. it now needs to be sealed because it's so unsafe, and we and no one should ever go in. So, it's allegedly dynamited shut, and then people put like leaves and like they closed the the entrance off, and for years nobody went in it. But after. Many years, and I can't remember how many. It's like 30, 40, some, some time goes by, maybe 20. It's 20, 30, or 40. <laughs> wow. Again, I'm summarizing Two this. decades, three decades, or four decades. But We're not sure. truly worth a, a read, though. It's so yeah. sad. But um, So the cave starts to open itself up again, naturally. Sure. And so As Mother Earth will. Mother Earth was opening her hole. <laughs> And one of her many. Okay. So two two ca- uh, other cavers. Sure. They decide to explore because this was a well known thing in this area. Yeah, it's Schroeder's pants. Everyone knows yeah, about Schroeder's, Schroeder's pants. pants. Yeah. And this poor man's body was never found, never laid to rest. So these two cavers are like, okay, there's an opening. So they yeah. they go in. They discover that nothing's dynamited shut at all. And he one didn't of, even fucking try, did he? I don't believe so. I think it was just a, uh, you know, we're going to dynamite this shut and no one's ever to go in. Well, they believed it because it's the expert. Right, know. right. Because he's Shooter McGavin. So as these two other two are, are you know, exploring, and I, I'm under the impression these two were quite experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I would have wrote the names because they're awesome. Because one of the guys ends up going down this narrow passage and finds... Oh, my gosh, Amber. The body. Oh, Amber. So here's the thing. This is why I'm telling you the story about uh, William Karras. So when he finds the body, it's doubled over. Rope is cut. Body is doubled over like it had been dropped down. No body bag. So William Karras is a liar. Yeah. And the rope is cut. So basically, I think what they did is they, at that point, I mean, hours had gone on. This wa- this cold water's pouring on this poor man. He, They, I think, pretty much write him off as dead. And they cut the rope. And they cut the rope because they can't get him out of there. And he didn't wow. want to look like a moron wow. that couldn't do his expert job. So they cut the rope, made up the story. And so when they found the body, it was double, like, because it had dropped down. And the rope had been cut. There was never a body bag. He's a no, he's a complete right. liar. So this is the man. The reason I'm telling you this is this is the man that yeah, was heading the search for great. these boys. Cool. So that goes back to part of this case being that that sh- that search could have been a little shoddy as well. Okay, the cave search. I search. also mm-hmm. don't believe the boys are in the cave. Mm-hmm. But knowing that man was heading the search is scary yeah. to me. So there's that possibility of like, all right, and hopefully some other cavers. I'm going to put my faith in those other him. cavers. Yeah, that yes. we're really doing a dive for them. Yeah, but that was something that was brought up. Wow. I was like, listen, this guy's really super he's sketchy shady. and he's a liar. And yeah. so there could be some, you Is know. Is he still alive when those bones were discovered? I don't believe so. Hmm. But the guy that, that retrieved, because they retrieved the body, the guy got an award, which is so, it's so wow. awesome that they went in and did that. Yeah. My understanding, it was not easy to get to because it was so narrow. Yeah. But yeah, they got and the body. And knowing that you're going to come upon a dead body. And Shooter couldn't get it. Right, you know, right. But somebody else did. And I'm so wow. I'm so thankful that they did. But, yeah, that's, again, another story. But he's involved. It just kind of paints this picture of, like, okay, so maybe things weren't as great. I don't know. I wasn't there, so I'm not going to. Possible things weren't as in-depth under his watch. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I do go back to their family members. I believe Craig's mom believes wholeheartedly they're not in the caves. Mm-hmm. Um call it mom's intuition but she didn't she didn't think they were in the caves either Mm -hmm. another theory i'm not even going to say this is a theory this was more of like a troll that came into the mix as we always have trolls sure but there was this letter written to the police i believe suggesting that the the hogue boy's father had killed the boys 
They were in the basement. Oh, geez. That's where they were stored. Obviously, this was checked out. Nothing was ever. Oh, geez. They checked the basement out, but they won't dig a little bit of dirt where the psychic psych- said. I know, right? And so I, I just, when I read that, I was like, are you kidding me? Why did the trolls always come out? Because every yeah. single case we have, there's a troll. Always. And that must have been horrible for the family. Yeah, definitely. They're grieving. they haven't been through a freaking enough. Mm-hmm. They're gr- gotta- and they have this troll saying that, you know, the dad had, had done this. So obviously that did not check out. And as we talked about with the psychic, uh, there's so many psychics that have called in input on this. And this is where... I'm all, all about my psychic readings. Oh, yeah. Um, I love psychics. But there's a lot of different psychic perspectives that came in on this. Um, okay. We had uh, Louise's mother, but we also had a couple, I believe there was three, that really strongly believed that Gacy, John Wayne Gacy, was involved with this. Okay. There's others that were like, I envision the boys being abducted. I see them on a railroad car. So there's mm. there's a lot of different visions mm-hmm. in this case which makes it a little muddy mm-hmm. i still think they should have checked out just yeah, to check Louise's it mom that was yeah. like hey they're, they're still alive there. and they're down there yeah. and we know there was a cave by the church mm-hmm. and because the only i mean disregarding shooter and what i just told you the other possible flaw in the the cave search is that with the construction going on walls could have collapsed sure i was so gonna, that was i was gonna say that too I mean, yep. it's so unpredictable. that, And so if something had dropped down, I mean, they would never be able to recover them in mm-hmm. that situation or know if they were under something. So so they were supposed to be back at 6 o'clock for church. Yeah, I think right? the event started about 6 o'clock. And the last time they were seen was at 5.15. I think I'm going to go with, I think it was something to do with the construction site. I do too. That's really, that is really what I believe. Time frame wise, like it just seems like they'd already went as far as they were going to go that day in the cave. Now they were really enthralled in the construction site and whether by accident and it just never went noticed or by the horrifying thought that it was a complete cover up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's where it's like, I don't, I don't know if it was a cover up. I'm not like saying I'm not saying that I don't believe that. But I, I think they're in the construction site, and that's why they were never found. I do think that it would be difficult for John Wayne Gacy to have convinced all three of them, 14, 13, and 11, somehow to get, not that he wasn't charming enough, but. That reminds me, because they there was a note that the boys in that time, as we've seen with other cases, they were known to hitch rides. Oh, So that okay. was, I apologize, I forgot to throw that in. Um, there's so much to this case, but they were known to hitch rides. Not like I still believe they're in the construction site myself, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's another piece to that theory that they could have been abducted and never found. Okay. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't even him, but there's still that, that just abduction theory. They hitched a ride. The search was deflected toward the caves three days or so went by. That's a long time if somebody's abducted. That is. Yeah. So that's always no trace. Okay. That is, uh, yeah, that is a possibility with that information. I do. How far away was the construction site from their house? So the construction site would have been pretty close as well because it was Murphy's Cave. It was around that area, which was, like okay. I said, like a quarter mile or so less. So I'm just wondering if the only reason they'd need to hitch a ride is if they spent too much time exploring and they were about to be late. Mm-hmm. They could have tried to save time, hitched a ride, and ended up abducted. Right, that way. right. Part of me kind of does vacillate between those two. I yeah. don't think they're in the caves. I don't. No, I don't either. Nope. I Construction site or possible abduction that way. Not saying it was necessarily John Wayne Gacy, although it is suspicious that he was yeah, in that in area. In that area, mm-hmm. sure. So I, I've never had a case where it's like there's so many theories. There's so many things where you could be like, yeah, that's probable. That's, yeah. you know, and my heart but really. But it's just crazy that there's no, not a single, not a shoe. No, nothing. You know, not a flashlight, nothing found. No, there was mention of a couple weeks after the cave search, there was apparently a smell coming from the caves that was reported. Oh. Um, But it was, I don't believe that it was really looked into because I think it was determined to be like a sewage smell is what they had chalked it up to. But there was a smell coming from the caves that was reported. Okay. And so that kind of had people wondering, like, all right, are they in there? Yeah. But I feel like if they... I guess that would go with Luisa's theory of, like, they were alive underneath them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then the other part of that is if they were close enough to 
a smell to be coming out and they weren't found with the yeah, expert exactly. cave. You know what I mean? With all so, the, yeah, the exploration of the cavers. Yeah. They should have been found then. So I just, you know, there's so many components to this case. It's easy to go down the rabbit holes. There's so many Definitely. rabbit holes. That is nuts. Isn't it? I've never heard of this before. That's so crazy. It will that pull I... you in. I went and joined the Facebook page. The Facebook page, which it's a, it's a discussion group of the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. Okay. It is active and alive. Like, has people any, are still posting. Has anybody dug where Luis said to now, I later? I don't know, but somebody needs to dig that up. And yeah. I just wish that the, the construct, like, where the highway is. So now there's a highway. They, you know, the family has even said, like, you know, they wish that that could happen. But there's just no way without, like, complete yeah. probable cause that they're ever going to yep. do that at no. this point. No. You're talking about millions of dollars digging up a highway and, re- and putting it back. I got to say, it has got to be really eerie to drive through there knowing that the boys sure. could be yeah. in that construction they're somewhere mm-hmm. they're somewhere they didn't just vanish yep. they are somewhere that is wow and the thing is like i do believe somebody knows i do yeah i don't know how or what but i somebody i think somebody does mm-hmm. maybe just one person but you know i don't want to accuse the constructions i don't know but i do believe it is. I mean, area. they were right there. They uh-huh. were last seen at five fifteen. Whether by anyone two knows, different people, right? Yeah, on that construction hill. Like you're telling me, all those construction workers didn't see three little right. boys, right? So, mm. I, I don't know. Okay, nothing ever came from the construction Crazy. that I found. Nothing ever came from, from right. the construction site. I believe well, there if it is. If it had, then there would be other theories about it. But there was a quote floating around, possibly from a construction worker that indicated they were. They may be buried. Um, I don't know if that is factual, Mm -hmm. but I did see something about that. Things are just popping into my head that I've read so much. Even it's still a true crime case, even if it was a horrific accident that a construction worker knows about and was covering it up. Mm -hmm. That is still a crime. So if it's if that's what happened, then it absolutely is. So I think the you know my heart breaks for these families because parents passed away never knowing. Of course. I hope that they found answers on the other side. Me too. But they never, they never had closure before they passed. Yeah, and that makes makes me sad. Siblings are still uh, the hoax. Siblings are still hoping for answers. Sure. There, some of them are are still Alive a part of the and, search, and yeah, some of them are working with the, this podcast actually, and they're they're hoping to find answers still. It's it's amazing because we see cases go go cold. Yeah, and. This case, I mean, and there's then all a, of a sudden we find them heat up. Yeah, like I mean, there's a whole community of people that are still very wow. much following this and join that Facebook page, guys. Yeah, there's still people like I'm a part of what, it. What you know? We'll what give updates here if again? something ever happens. Oh, absolutely, yes, for wow. sure. So that's the case of the Ugh, tragic lost children of Hannibal. Yeah, it is. It is a really sad story. I hope that someday there's some closure for it. I hope so too. Yes. Do you have the ability to cleanse us after I this? Will, we need a brain bath. I am going to cleanse you. Okay. I'm ready for it because that. Let me get my. I'm going to s- do a sponge bath today. Okay. Um, <laughs> a little dab here, <laughs> a little dab there. Dab you a little bit. Okay. So the the title of this is Don't Get Cocky. So, Always good advice. <laughs> yeah. So in 2015, Christopher Wallace, 24 years old from Maine, was on the run from police after stealing some cooking equipment, of all things. Oh, I just okay. appreciate that that's what he chose to steal. Of all, all things you could steal, he's got to get some cooking so equipment. So he had successfully evaded the police for a couple weeks, and he was proud of this. So posting flapping his jacks. He was flapping the jacks. Making some bergs. Okay. (laughs) Yep. So he was posting to his Snapchat that he was at home hiding from the police because he was, again, proud of this. Dear God. Um, So on seeing this, a couple of his followers gave the police a heads up like hey this guy is like bragging about hiding he's at home he forgot he had a couple of x's on this snapchat (laughs) added it to his story yeah you know it was an x absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) unfortunately despite the the tip given the police they did go look for him They, they couldn't find him so they called the search off and that's when christopher posted again 
saying that the police were just in his house and he was hiding in a cabinet. So he was like laughing about this. Oh my God. And couldn't resist putting it on his story again. Yep. Loud and proud. And so the police were tipped off yet again. Again, it got to be an ex. Definitely. Uh, (laughs) So they go back and they're searching um, the cabinets. They found pots and pans and uh, a pair of feet. (laughs) He was covered with the pots and pans. Pots and pans probably that he stole because it was cooking utensils. And his feet. Yep. And it says the feet were. We found some pots and pans and a Christopher. Uh Uh-huh. It says the feet were attached to Christopher and he was placed under arrest. <laughs> oh, I'm just my picturing gosh. him like covered in all the pots and pans. Right, right. Not breathing so that <laughs> yes. nothing moves. Can you imagine his Snapchat if he took a selfie yeah. like in the in the cabinet? Amazing. Oh my gosh. Or it was some dude who had a th- hankering for his girlfriend and was like, I'm going to get this Emma for put in jail. Oh. Then I can make a move on his girl. Absolutely. Either that or an ex. Or he cheated with somebody's girl yes. and they're like, you yes. know what? Mm-hmm. We're going to get this guy. I love that he'd like, hey, be careful about what you put on Snapchat though. Not everyone's watching you because they're a fan. And know your know your followers, pal. That's Because right. they ratted you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny. Wow. So that's your that brain bath for Thank the day. You. I liked that one. It was it was lightweight. Um, it well, was. hey guys, get your reviews in. We we have by now. By the time you've listened to this, you have seen the a, delicious. If you follow us on Facebook, you've seen the delicious basket we're mm-hmm. giving away. There are two crime wine glasses. There's a crime mug. There's coffee. There's chocolate galore. Good chocolate. There is wine. There crime wine. Crime wine. There mm-hmm. is crime notebook. There is oh, there's a fun coffee little, mug. Yes. True crime, of course. Of course, oh, it's, it's a, so fun. I want t-shirt. our basket. <laughs> so do I. When I saw the chocolate that you picked up and was smelling the coffee, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I'm about to leave us a review and get thrown <laughs> in the mix here. Exactly. I'll go under something like Sugar Bear 19. <laughs> That'll be my handle. <laughs> She'll be like, yeah, I, I mailed it out. I. I promise. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's totally. But I've got chocolate on my face, yeah. and I'm drunk from the 19 crimes wine. But it's <laughs> it's fine. Uh, no, it's a really so good yeah, basket. Everybody who leaves us a review wherever you listen, we recently learned that like Spotify and some places don't allow you to leave reviews. Facebook is fine. That mm-hmm. works. Email us crimecuriousyahoo.com if you want to. We'll read it on air, and you're entered. That's great. It just helps us um, with the. The algorithms put us into people's feed who enjoy listening to true crime. So that's all. But we'll give you something in return. Throw you, pop you right in that that drawing. So, yeah, keep keep listening. Keep it curious, reasonably curious. Mm-hmm. Until next time, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>